later, talking about Jesus, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He, he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recovery. Recover. We see the various signs that will follow those that believe, those that are speaking and preaching the word of God, those that are ministering in the Lord's name. We see salvation, we see baptism, we see deliverance, we see healing, and we see ministry taking place throughout the Great Commission. And then in Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to pick up in the first verse a letter to the church It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So in the Great Commission, Jesus said that those that believe would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And we believe that that's a valid doctrine because Hebrews chapter 6 gives us six fundamental doctrines that the church is supposed to be established in. It begins with a foundation of repentance and then faith towards God and then the teaching on the various types of baptism. And then number four is the laying on of hands, then resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So each and every one of those are critical and very important if we're going to have a good foundation in Christ and we're going to be rooted and grounded in the things of God. You have to know about these fundamentals because once you know the ABCs and 123s, you can go on to more weighty and more uh, what we would call uh, subject matter with more depth. But if you don't have the foundation, then you have to first lay that in sort of, uh, and that's just the way that a good building is construction and that's the way a good spiritual life is constructed also. So the Bible has a lot to say about the doctrine of the laying on of hands and we're going to be talking about that specifically tonight. Therefore, it's always surprising to me that some Christians see no significance at all in this scriptural doctrine or this teaching. But the laying on of hands is one of a half dozen fundamental principles of the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to deny one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Jesus would mean that we would be undermining our own spiritual growth and development. Now, I realize that there are excesses and errors that many have encountered when it comes to the ministry or the doctrine of laying on of hands. There seems to be two extremes to me in this teaching that I've encountered in my life in the church. One extreme is mere ritual. There are churches that have a ritual of laying on of hands. It's a tradition and it's filled with formality, but there's no expectation of God ministering to those who are having hands laid upon them. It's just a ceremony, but it's not a ceremony with the presence or the purposes of God in mind. We could say that they have a form of godliness no presence, no power. And so I've experienced that in my time in the church. And then there's the other aspect. There are those 
that have experienced extremes where people have laid hands on other people for nearly everything you can imagine and some that we shouldn't. Amen. I mean, they believe that the laying on of hands is the end all of end all. They believe that it's the cure for anything that ails humanity. And I want to remind you that it has its place, just like repentance from dead works has its place, faith in God, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgments. All six have their part to play in building a good foundation. And so you can't emphasize one over the other. You need to have an understanding of all of them to really have a well-rounded foundation and a strong foundation. So we should not permit these excesses or errors or abuses to keep us from the biblical truth and blessing that the teaching about laying on of hands gives us as Christians. Instead, we should study the scripture to see what the purpose for this teaching is and how to apply its truth to our lives in order to receive all that the Lord Jesus has provided for us and all that he wants us to experience. Because God is not just meant to be known from a distance. He's meant to be encountered and experienced in a daily walk, an abiding walk with him. I want to invite you now to go back to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be there over the next few minutes as I'm going to give you several examples from the life of Jesus. And then we're going to go into the book of Acts, and we're going to look at the church and the ministry of laying on of hands. First of all, let's see if Jesus was someone who practiced the laying on of hands. And if so, for what purposes? And then what were the results of him laying hands on those that uh, that he was ministering to? Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 22 and 23. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause... Oh, I'm in Matthew. It's not, it, yep, may go over one more book. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. That was good teaching too, but we're not teaching on that tonight. All right, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. It was just a test to see if you guys... Were you guys picking up on that? All right. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 22 and 23. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name... And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. The end result was that Jesus makes house calls. Jesus went, laid his hands upon her and she was raised up. Notice what Jairus did not say. He did not say, come and heal her. He said, come and lay your hands upon her. So something took place when hands were laid on Jairus' daughter. There was a transfer. There was healing virtue that flew from, that went from Jesus into her. And the point of contact, the point of faith was when he laid hands on her. He asked him specifically, would you come and lay your hands on my daughter? And then he stated why? That she may be healed. He understood that they were one in the same. That the laying on of hands is one of the ways that the Lord ministers healing to his people and he's still doing it today. Okay, let's look at another example. Chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, now he could do no mighty works there. He's talking about his own hometown, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Notice in Nazareth where 
he was brought up, he wasn't well received. They were too familiar with him. And because of that, he was limited. He was limited in his ministry among his own people. But he did lay his hands on a few people and they were ministered to and they were healed. Now, let's continue to look at chapter 7, verse 32. So we're looking at Jesus and the ministry of laying on of hands. Did he practice something that he asked the church to do? I think he is in our example in all things. So in a, one sense, it's a rhetorical question, but let's just take a look and see what God's word has to say here so that we can have a good foundation. All right, we're in Mark's gospel, chapter 7, verse 32, down through 35. And they brought to him one who was deaf and had an an, uh, impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, that is, be open. Immediately his ears were open, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Notice what they asked him to do. They implored him to come and lay his hands upon him. And Jesus did, and he was ministered to. Chapter 8, verse 22. And he came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he went away to his house, saying, neither go into town nor tell anyone in the town. Then chapter 10 in verse 16. Chapter 10 in verse 16. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the account of the children coming to Jesus. And Jesus received the children, and he received them, laid hands on them, and blessed them. So already that we have seen healings, miracles, and blessings that come through the ministry of laying on of hands. Now, I want to go back to the account in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, just for a minute. So Jesus going into Nazareth, it said he could do no mighty works there. He could do no mighty works there. And then it stated why. Because of the people's unbelief. But then he found a few people that had faith and he was able to minister to them. All right, here's a key principle when it comes to the ministry of laying on of hands. You have to receive the messenger that God uses in order to receive the blessing that God wants to send through them. So because people didn't receive Jesus, A multitude of people's needs went unmet. It was Jesus' will to minister to multitudes of people, but only a few people received him. To those that received him, he was able to minister to. And the principle is still true today. We have to be able to receive. And we're going to see that word receive throughout our text, especially in the book of Acts. All right, Acts chapter 5. We're getting ready to jump forward into the book of Acts, so just go forward. Now, let's take a look at the early church and the apostles and see if they practice the teaching of the laying on of hands. We know that they taught repentance and faith towards God. 
We know that they encouraged people to be baptized. We know that they taught about judgment and and uh, the resurrection, all of those things. We would say, yes, those are things that we all believe. Somehow, the laying on of hands has gotten sort of uh, a bad reputation. And I, I stated earlier some of the reasons why. Uh, I, I've been in services where they, they were so chaotic and so out of order and I'm not saying that we need to have uh, so much structure that we structure God out of our, our times together. That would be an error also. But, I mean, there were people that were doing things in the name of the Lord that the Lord never did, or nor did he ever, you know, encourage anybody else to do. And we, I would say that, you know, it's not that they were malicious people. It's not that they, you know, were... Um, <clears throat> I, I just think that they were... They were zealous, but they didn't have a knowledge of what the laying on of hands was designed to do. And because of that, they took it to places that were outside of the borders and the boundaries of Scripture. And But, you know, God is patient with all of us. And, you know, all of us have, you know, missed the mark. All of us have done things because we have a zeal or a passion. And, and God blesses it to a degree. I mean, can you, can you, you know, get where I'm coming from? But he wants us to keep studying and keep growing so we can really get the full benefit of each and every one of these teachings. So here we are in Acts chapter 5, and let's look at verse 12. And it says, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in one place. Signs and wonders were done, how? Through the apostles' hands, and therefore they were ministering to people, with the laying on of hands. Chapter 8, if you would. And we're going to begin in the 14th verse. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received, everybody say received, received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive, everybody say receive, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there's going to be a way that this happens. There's going to be a way that this this spiritual transition takes place. For as yet he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they laid their hands on them, and then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Every say received. But when did they receive? When hands were laid on them. So Jerusalem had gotten word that the Samaritans had put their faith in Christ. They had been baptized, but they wanted them to know more about the fundamentals of the faith. And so they sent, you know, uh, <clears throat> John down and, uh, and John ministered to them and Peter ministered to them and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hand, the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that, in, on, uh, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit and Peter said to him, your, your money perished with you because you thought you, that the gift of God could be purchased with money. So one thought here before we go on to the next example is that there's a gift that God wants to give unto us. And one of the ways that we receive it is by faith through the laying on of hands. When hands are laid on you by a believer... 
then there is an impartation of a grace or a gift. Healing, miracles, blessings, the fullness of the Spirit, all of it was ministered, how? Through the laying on of hands. People received in those ways. All right, let's continue to go. Chapter 9 and verse 17. Are you guys seeing a pattern here? And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive. Everybody say receive. Receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. So here we see healing, the restoration of sight, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is the word received used so predominantly in the book of Acts? It's because everything that Jesus has already done and accomplished is fulfilled. Now it's just ready to be received. When Jesus said it's finished, everything that he was sent to do was fulfilled. And since it's fulfilled, and since all of salvation was purchased, now it's just up to us to receive. To receive. How do you do it? By faith. And when hands are laid on individuals who are believing with the believer, then there's healings, miracles, there's blessings, there's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, there's also another aspect to the laying on of hands. This is one that maybe you're more familiar with. If you grew up in a traditional church, it says, uh, chapter 13 and verse 1 and 2, it says, Now at the church at Antioch, uh, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, uh, Cyrene Manian, and who had been brought up uh, with Herod the Tetrarch. And as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work for which I called them, verse 3, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So this is an ordination service. This is where hands are laid on ministers as they're sent out to fulfill their ministry. And so they were identified. Now, there's an important aspect to this portion of Scripture also. It said, now separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. There were five, but two were identified. Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to do. They were already called, but now they were separated. And the laying on of hands was, a, was an opportunity for an anointing or a grace to be imparted unto them. All right, chapter 19 and verse 6. Chapter 19 and verse 6. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now this is in the city of Ephesus. And he went there and they had already received the Lord. They had been, they had been baptized, but they hadn't been, they had not received the fullness of the Spirit. So Paul laid his hands on them and they received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Notice it's through the laying on of hands. Look down further in that same chapter in verse 11 and 12. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons who were brought from his body to the sick and the disease um, were, were, uh, were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Notice that there was a tangible anointing that was uh, and a real call, a grace uh, upon 
Paul to minister and that miracles were wrought when he laid his hands on these handkerchiefs and then they were taken to the infirm, they were ministered to. And I, I we've seen that uh, throughout the years also because there's, it's a tangible thing. It has spiritual substance. And then one other reading. All right, Acts chapter 28, verse 8 and 9. And it says, And it happened that the father of uh, Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. And Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. So the chief was ministered to, and that broke the ice, and then the rest of those on the island were ministered. How did all this happen? Through the laying on of hands, many have received healings, miracles, a blessing has been imparted, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's been anointing at a time of ordination, and this ministry is still something that the church needs to embrace, just like we embrace the other doctrines, needs to practice, and needs to have operative in the church in order for people to experience everything that Jesus purchased for them. We can see that Jesus ministered through the laying on of hands. The early church ministered through the laying on of hands. And the church today is called to still minister through the laying on of hands. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.